This episode is brought to you by our great sponsors. If you like building things on the internet, especially e-commerce things, check out the Open Jobs with Prosperous. They are a small but friendly bunch that loves building software for entrepreneurs. They're the company behind WooCommerce subscriptions, a plugin with thousands of users, but that's just the beginning. Prosperous has some new products in the works and they're looking for talented folks to help them. If you dream of working in your pajamas, sipping macchiatos at your favorite cafe, or soaking up the sun in Costa Rica, you can make that happen. Prosperous is a distributed company with employees all over the world. They offer some neat benefits like stock options, hardware allowance, and professional development. But the best benefit is the autonomy to do your best work however you work best. If this sounds like your kind of gig, check out their open positions at buildsomething.net slash prosperous. That's buildsomething.net slash P-R-O-S-P-R-E-S-S. Do you build WordPress sites? Are you hitting the limits of your coding knowledge? Break free of your limits and do far more than you ever thought possible. Formidable Forms will help you build robust applications quickly without any PHP. Take on bigger projects, earn more clients, and grow your business. Get started today at buildpodcast.net slash forms. That's buildpodcast.net slash forms. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Andy Stitt. Did I say that right? I never ask. I never, ever ask. Yes, you are one of the uh, very few people I know who actually says it right on the first try. Awesome. What do you usually get? Oh, uh, I've gotten uh, every single variation of stit, uh, spit, smit, and I've also gotten certain things that I probably can't say on your PG-rated <laughs> show. Gotcha. I, I, you know, well, my last name is Casabona, so I also get things I can't say on the PG-rated show. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to be talking about your resource, uh, WPfornonprofits.org, WordPress for Nonprofits. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and the kind of work you do, and then a little bit about your project? Sure, absolutely. So I am a WordPress freelancer. I specialize in uh, front-end development and also do some support work. I have worked for uh, several different kinds of organizations, but uh, where my heart really is is in the nonprofit world. And so I'm trying to uh, build up as much of a nonprofit client base as possible. Uh, I worked in the nonprofit world for over a decade before I decided to go off on my own. And it's something I'm very passionate about, making the world a better place, activism, social justice, uh, Basically, I'm a nice Jewish boy from north of New York City, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that uh, most of us nice Jewish boys from New York are kind of built that way. <laughs> and, and so nonprofits are very uh, near and dear to my heart, and so that's why I decided to uh, build WordPress for nonprofits, because I wanted a, uh, a resource that nonprofits can go to to really uh, make the most of their WordPress website. That's awesome. So uh, where are you from originally, north of New York City? So I'm originally from uh, northern Westchester County. Uh, most people think that northern Westchester is maybe uh, White Plains or Tarrytown, but you got to keep going and going and going up the Sawmill Parkway until you hit South Salem. Uh, it's basically, I think, a few miles uh, south of the border with Dutchess County. Yes, yeah. So I'm originally from Orange County, New York, uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, very nice. It's very important for our listeners to know that neither of us are from upstate New York. 
Uh, Maybe southern upstate New York. Incredibly southern. (laughs) So I know people from the city insist I'm from upstate, and I think north of Albany is, like, where it starts. I I agree. (laughs) So... Cool. Very cool. So you, you've been doing a lot of work for nonprofits. I think this is a, a great, a great area to be in because, uh, you can, you can make a difference, right? And in one of the Slack communities I'm a part of, we were having a conversation recently about how web developers or people in our field don't necessarily make the difference, the same difference in the world that doctors or, you know, firefighters make. And, and I think that, your passion uh, and and the work that you do with these organizations show that that's not true, right? We can we can make a difference no matter what we do, right? Yes, we absolutely can. And what I've noticed in my travels is that there are many nonprofits of all different sizes, all different budgets, all different causes, but most of them need some sort of technology help because most of them are either uh, program administrators or fundraisers, and so they're not necessarily technology-type people. And so the type of help that they need is that we can build them something that helps them advance their mission and raise funds and recruit volunteers. But we can also help them just understand what they can do with their WordPress website so they can be more independent because a lot of them are dependent on either consultants or volunteers. And so if something happens, if somebody drops off the face of the earth, then they're pretty much uh, up a creek without a paddle. And so one of the things that we can do for them is to just teach them uh, really simple things like uh, maintenance, like they can do their own updates very easily so that they're up to date with the latest and they don't have to deal with uh, security vulnerabilities. And just it, it, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that you can teach to nonprofits that will help them maintain their website over the long term and still collect their donations without uh, anything uh, negative happening to their website, basically. Awesome. Yeah. And so I, so I think that we're touching on something pretty important that we should kind of work out a little bit. And that's the, the, the content that you have on your website is, of course, from the work that you've been doing from nonprofits for a while. But maybe we could talk a little bit about the content of the website and any research that you do to kind of stay current with making sure nonprofits get the information that they need to have a successful WordPress site. Sure, absolutely. So as far as the content that I have on the website, it's basically everything but teaching them how to try to be a developer. I'm not trying to teach them how to code or do anything like that because as someone uh, who worked for a 501c3 organization for uh, nine years and we expanded from two people to 10 people, I understand that there isn't a lot of time on their day and that there is a lot of work on their plate. And so I basically try to teach them as much of the basics as I possibly can as far as uh, how to create pages and posts, uh, how to set up uh, Google Analytics using a WordPress plugin, why it's important to set up Google Analytics. And what I try to do with all of my work is I try to take a nonprofit first approach. And what I mean by that is that I don't use my WordPress experience to extol all of the virtues of WordPress and then try to shoehorn the nonprofit's needs into a WordPress website. What I try to do is I try to take my over a decade experience in the nonprofit world and figure out how WordPress can help them. So in one of the uh, in the talk that I gave at WordCamp Baltimore on how to uh, build a nonprofit WordPress website, I started off the conversation by telling them, 
you are basically, you have to storytell. You have to tell really good stories about the people who benefit from your work. You can tell it for them. You can have them tell it themselves. And then that will basically stir up enough emotions in your potential and current donors to give and then give again and then give again. And also to recruit volunteers because a lot of nonprofits need uh, volunteers to help them execute their program work. And here's how you do that in WordPress. You can do it using uh, posts and pages. You can embed uh, videos from YouTube or Vimeo. You can use pictures from your media library because visuals help to tell a really good story. And so I I talked about that in my uh, WordCamp Baltimore talk, and that stemmed from a uh, a blog post that I had on WordPress for nonprofits, which stemmed from uh, a talk that I gave at uh, at the Lehigh Valley WordPress Meetup, which I believe. I saw you there. So that's yes. th- that's the kind of thing that I try to do. And also uh, website maintenance 101 type of things, because the last thing a nonprofit wants to have to do is to deal with a broken website or a hacked website. And in my experience with uh, with Philly Give Camp last year, which is basically a volunteer hackathon that helps uh, nonprofits get uh, free WordPress work. Um, it's not always WordPress, but most of the websites are built on WordPress. So either a brand new website or we're enhancing their existing website. And so I was working with one organization and they just needed a new section of their website. They already had a WordPress website, which was built at that hackathon the year before. And so they just needed a new section. And so we built them a few new pages and just put the content up there. And what I noticed was that there were 15 updates that needed to happen. All of their plugins were out of date. Their WordPress core was out of date. Their theme was a custom build, so that was fine. But everything else was out of date. And I just asked them, when was the last time you updated this? And they told me somebody updated it for us at the previous year's Philly Give Camp. And so they went an entire year without updating anything. So before we did any work, I very carefully <laughs> brought them up to date so that nothing broke. And so I'm, I'm sure that's not just them. I'm sure it's very common in nonprofit organizations because they don't have a lot of uh, tech people on staff a lot of the time. So some more of the content that I try to put out there is here's some simple ways that you can keep your website up to date. You can use a backup plugin to easily make backups. Uh, When you see the update indicator, most of the time it's okay to just make the update and therefore you're up to date and, and all that good stuff. So that, that That's what I mean by uh, the whole uh, low-hanging fruits. Let's just get them back to the basics so that they can uh, maintain their website over the long term, and that will allow them to ultimately uh, do all the good in the world that they need to do. Gotcha. That's great. And I, I want to ask a follow-up question, right? Because you touched on something that I preach maybe is probably not the right word, but I definitely talk about it a lot, and that's uh, empathizing with your client or your students when you're teaching them something. It's maybe a little bit easier for you to empathize because you have that nonprofit experience. What if somebody wants to build an, a, a website for a nonprofit organization without 10 years experience? How could they kind of put themselves in the shoes of the nonprofit organization? Honestly, I think it's as simple as just getting to know them. Uh, whenever you're, if you're taking on like a brand new 
nonprofit. Honestly, it's just like a, a discovery phase when they're, you know, they're learning about you, but more so you're learning about them. You're learning about their needs and, uh, and their organizational goals and where they're trying to go. And while, you know, I think it's probably more than just answering, uh, the nonprofit answering the questions on whatever questionnaire you have. If you happen to, talk with them either in person or over Skype or whatever, if you can just pick up on things that they say, on their behaviors, just be observant. Really do your absolute best to get to know them, to see what level they're at. And also, the answers that they give to your questions should beget more questions from you using the, uh, the Socratic method, I suppose, to keep nice. asking more and more questions until you know them almost as well as they know themselves. And so then... You can empathize with their situation. You can see what kind of tech resources they have. You can tell whether or not they're nervous about this new website and if they're going to break it. And 99% of them are nervous. So you can probably just go in there with that assumption. But otherwise, yeah, just listen to them and really, really listen to them. Don't wait your turn to speak. Really listen to them and get to know them. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, the best way to empathize with them. That's excellent. So, you know, going beyond more than just what you might find on an RFP, you really want to get to know them as as the organization, not just them as their website. So I really like that. I like that you mentioned the Socratic method. I went to a Jesuit un- university. And so we talked all about Socrates there. I will have a link in the show notes to most of the stuff Andy just mentioned in, into this part of the show, uh, as well as something called the five whys, which I think is is kind of a marketing pitch on the Socratic method. Basically keep asking them why until you get to the real answer you know so um why didn't you update your website well uh, i don't go to the admin right why don't you go to the admin i was worried about this and then you eventually get to the real answer so yes precisely yeah so that's that's excellent uh so you have this this resource wordpress for nonprofits you have a podcast a blog a resource area and that stuff stems from you doing work with currently with nonprofits right so you're a freelance developer and you work primarily on nonprofit projects. Is that right? Yes. Um, since I'm still uh, pretty new in the space, I'm still uh, building up the nonprofit client base. Uh, I have a couple of uh, consulting clients that I work with on uh, an ad hoc basis, and I am currently uh, working on an actual website build. And all of my other work is, uh, I guess, what I call the uh, the white the, the off-brand work where I do... Uh, basically, uh, agencies hire me for uh, for overflow work and uh, and stuff like that. But my heart is with nonprofits, and so that's what I'm primarily trying to stick with. Gotcha. And I like to, you know, I talk to a lot of people in the community. I, I, I met you through the the Lehigh Valley meetup, and then we saw each other again at, at WordCamp Baltimore. We're in the general same area. Uh, I'm part of a mastermind group. Do you, do you talk with anybody, either contemporaries of yours, uh, maybe people who are also in the WordPress nonprofit space or other nonprofit organizations to get ideas and, and, and things like that? So I, I have talked with, actually, when I uh, started producing the WordPress for Nonprofits podcast, for me, that was uh, a good excuse not to just build a resource for nonprofits, but also to get maybe some uh, free consulting and, uh, and brainstorming ideas for myself. Um, there's a particular organization called the Nonprofit Technology Network 
And I actually was a member uh, back in the day when I was still working in the nonprofit world. And I thought, oh, wow, this is a place where I can certainly uh, find other people in the space, uh, maybe even client leads, but uh, people who who use WordPress, who develop on WordPress. And so they managed to uh, basically get me uh, my first set of guests. And so I talked with uh, several uh, freelancers who who work primarily with nonprofits, including uh, my friend uh, Mark Root Wiley, who does a lot of work with uh, nonprofits in the Pacific Northwest. And he also has a uh, a WordPress for nonprofits website. But since there are so uh, few of them out there, there's room for uh, for more than one. And we may have slightly different angles on things. But uh, yeah, I, I talk with a- as many people as I can in the space. And I find that there aren't a real whole lot of people in the space. Like it's, it's not something, it, it's not like the, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, or content marketing blog space where it's saturated and everyone is trying to do it. So there, there is an audience there. So it's certainly worth pursuing, but there's also, uh, plenty of, uh, of room for growth in there too, and plenty of room for a, uh, for a player like me to enter the space, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good niche to be in. Uh, WordPress is continually growing in popularity and it's becoming a household name. And, and, you know, once something becomes, once your clients start asking for something, that's how you know, you know, you're in the right market, right? Responsive design was a thing for a lot longer than clients started asking for it. So right. I want to touch on something you, you mentioned about that. And it's, it's not a saturated space, right? And I think that perhaps a lot of people, nonprofit work, has the stigma that doing work for a nonprofit organization means it's also not profit for you. Can you speak a little bit about that? I know like I'm just like hitting you with that question, but can you speak to that a little bit? Like how do you go about charging a nonprofit organization and 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 does it mean that you have to charge less, you know, to do the project? Right, absolutely. I get hit with that question all the time. Whenever I tell people uh, I, I specialize in uh, WordPress consulting for nonprofits, they think that I'm uh, chasing some sort of a race to the bottom and that I want an empty <laughs> bank account. But yeah. honestly, there are thousands of nonprofit organizations uh, nationally and internationally, and they are all different sizes. They are all different budgets. Uh, the American Cancer Society certainly isn't a uh, a low-budget nonprofit. And so there are just lots of different organizations at various different sizes. And so there is no trying to charge them less. Uh, that really just isn't necessary. You just have to find a good fit for your particular skill set. And right now, since I'm a solo freelancer, I have been uh, pursuing leads that fit between, let's say, a uh, a $2,000 and $5,000 uh, per site budget because I am capable of delivering a 2K to 5K uh, website. Uh, I'm not necessarily yet at the 10K or the 20K project, but I am in uh, that range, in the 2 to 5K range, where I can deliver something good. And I know that there are lots of, uh, of nonprofits that have the budget for that. And one of the uh, the resources that I like to use is I like to build websites on the Genesis framework. And so when you use uh, the Genesis framework, a lot of the development work is already done for you. And so you're basically just making a, a custom Genesis child theme for the client. And so you already have about uh, 10,000 hours of work that's already been done. So then you can just get down to the good stuff. Because if I were building a, a $2,000 website completely from scratch, then I would be uh, losing money on the project. And so I, I use 
resources that are appropriate for that size and audience so I can deliver it within a, uh, a good amount of time and so that it's profitable for me and they like it, they can use it. So it's just kind of a uh, win-win for everyone. You just have to understand who you're working with and that the word nonprofit doesn't mean running at a loss. It simply means that it isn't owner's equity, it's net assets. Whatever the assets minus the liabilities are, are net assets, and they are not distributed to any kind of shareholders. That's all that nonprofit means. It doesn't mean that they're broke. Right. And that's exactly right. You know, that's, it doesn't mean that you have no money in the bank. It means that you do something very specific with the money that you have in the bank. And it's just like any other business, right? Because you can, you know, you can go to a pizza shop and, and they might not have a whole lot of money for, for a website. Or you can go to Domino's, which has apparently tons of money for a website because you can text them a pizza emoji and get it delivered to your house. Like that's that's not in the two to five K range, you know? <laughs> so it's they're just like any other business. So anybody who's thinking about or has shied away from doing work for a nonprofit organization because you think the nonprofit means you don't get to profit either. That's just simply not true. So we are, so we're over halfway in this interview and I want to talk about a specific project that you mentioned while we weren't recording. And I want to talk about how you went, went about building that. So maybe I'll let you introduce the project and, and some of the challenges and how you, how you, created this site for, for your clients? Yes, absolutely. So this particular project is for the Neuroblastoma Children's Cancer Society. And they basically, they are an all-volunteer nonprofit, and uh, they raise money for uh, cancer research for uh, neuroblastoma, which uh, I really wasn't aware of neuroblastoma specifically. But uh, after looking at their website, it's really it's a really awful disease that takes the lives of a lot of children each year. And so the work that they're doing is very important. And they ran into the situation where their old website was built just using nothing but flat files. So in HTML, CSS, and PHP, just nothing but flat files. And whoops, the people who were uh, maintaining it for them can't do it anymore. And it's an all-volunteer, all-board organization, and none of them are technical. And so ultimately what I'm doing is I'm now building them uh, a site on WordPress. We are making some design enhancements, but uh, my main goal with it is that they can have as much control of it as possible. And since they're all volunteer, uh, they're not necessarily going to want to uh, have someone on a retainer agreement to do uh, their maintenance work. And so all of the tools that I'm using to build the website are basically trying to put as much power in their hands as humanly possible. So if they need to make any changes uh, to anything on their site, that they'll be able to do so. Nice. So I know that well, you said that you're a big fan of Genesis. Are you using Genesis for the framework here? I'm actually not using Genesis. All right. Genesis is very developer-friendly, and since um, none of them are developers, I decided to go with uh, the Divi theme. It's it's not normally something that I decide to go with because I, I love Genesis and I can bend it to my will, but I've actually used the Divi theme on a previous client project because uh, she bought the license for it and she wanted to use it, and I found that as far as uh, page builder theme, go it's actually very good it's actually it's very solid it gets the job done so if they want to make uh, any kind of uh, changes to the design or if they want to add a new layout if they want to add a new section then the Divi theme uh, being a page
bridge builder theme, it'll allow them to do it via drag and drop. And they also have uh, what they call a wall of fame that they want to port over to their website. And basically, the wall of fame are people, uh, are survivors. They're all children. They're either survivors of the disease or they are those who succumbed to the disease. And they basically just have information about them, their names, their favorite food, their favorite color, where they went last on vacation, which by the way, when it when it comes to nonprofit marketing, showing the faces of the disease, that's what makes people want to give money and volunteer their time, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really it's it's a brilliant and sincere marketing tool so that they can get people to help them continue to do their good work. And so as far as the Wall of Fame is concerned, I am probably going to wind up developing a custom post type for the Wall of Fame members so they can easily enter new Wall of Fame members in there. And I haven't gotten uh, this far into the project yet, but I'm going to see if there's uh, maybe a plugin either like uh, pods or uh, custom post type UI that I can install because I can just give them, I, I can write them a custom post type plugin, but they're not developers. So maybe if I give them a tool that they can use to adjust the custom post types as they need or or to add new ones as they need, then uh, then that will serve them better. Great. And so that is, you know, I'm a developer, you're a developer. Divi is kind of a curse word among developers, right? Like you, you say Divi to a developer and they're like, how could you do that, right? But I think this is the perfect use case, right? This is an organization that's all volunteers. They need anything to make it as easy as possible for them to update their website. It doesn't matter that their content is married to the theme a little bit because they're probably not going to be changing their theme all that often, if at all. So this is, you know, it it just goes to show that everything has a use case, right? You can't just write off something and say, never, ever use it, right? And I know people will come back to me and say, well, you can use the Beaver Builder theme and and the Beaver Builder plugin, but Divi works here and and it, it, it sounds like it works exceedingly well. Yes, it, it definitely uh, works very well. As far as the uh, the the criticisms from other developers that uh, Divi is a curse word, until they start paying my bills, uh, <laughs> I am going to uh, I, I'm going to brush off those criticisms. Uh, in in this case, I always think of the the organization that I'm building the website for. What is the best solution for them, even if it's not something that I would personally use or would personally recommend? As long as it's good, as long as it gets the job done, because I'm not going to build their site using a page builder that I don't think is good and that I think is going to be very problematic. I don't they may never need to change their theme again. And if they do need to change their theme down the road, if if the content being in short codes instead of in being in the editor, if that turns out to be a real problem and they'll cross that bridge when they get there. But I expect this particular iteration of the website for them to last for several years. And so they need something right now that they can change. And right now, all they have is a website that's built on flat files that they can't do anything with. And so there, there is no uh, uh, don't use Divi argument for right. me. They need something right now. And so I'm going to give them something that helps them right now and will serve them well over the long term. Perfect. That's that's great. And so we're, we're banging up against time here. And I usually like to ask, uh, like, what transformations has your product gone through and what are your, your plans for the future? And if you have answers ready for that, uh, you know, feel free to add them. But I want to add, before I ask you what your trade secret is, I want to I wanna ask you, what would you say are the 
three, the top three things that a nonprofit organization should have. I know that like you, you should talk to each one and you should get their input and, and each one has individual needs. But I, I imagine that a lot of nonprofit organizations have very similar needs. So I'd love to hear what like, if you're making a nonprofit website, these are three things you absolutely need to have. Sure, absolutely. So I would say that um, that you need to have uh, as much in the way of uh, maintenance plugins installed as possible. Like that's a really big thing that I preach to them. So uh, backup plugins, it could be a backup buddy, updraft plus, whatever works best for them and their budgets, security, uh, either uh, word fence or iTheme security, whatever, whatever works for them. So that's that's definitely a big thing. And I suppose uh, the second thing would be a theme that would allow them to put together something that is uh, visually pleasing because with, with, I mean, any website, you you need to have it uh, look good so that it doesn't drive people away and so that it attracts them to do, to take the action that you want them to take. And in this case, it's almost all visual with nonprofits because it's something that people can see and even something that people can hear if, uh, if video content helps, but something that helps to tug on the heartstrings and elicit emotions from the donors. So uh, a theme that helps them build a, uh, a visually pleasing website. And I guess actually, yeah, probably the third thing would be as good of documentation as you can possibly get, whether it be WP 101 videos or something that you create yourself, uh, something that they can go to and really just be confident in using their website so that they so that they know how to use it and so that they take care of it so that they're motivated to take care of it and confident in their ability to do so so that they don't just let uh, time slip away with uh, with their incredibly busy schedules and then suddenly their sites aren't updated and then something bad happens so i, I would say those are uh, my top three awesome and i'm happy to say that that was not at all the answer i was expecting and i'm very happy to hear that so that okay, is good. i just learned a ton like right right there you know and, and so that is fantastic so do you have any trade secrets for us the only trade secret uh, I can think of is um, is something that you like to uh, deliver in a lot of your talks, which is uh, be empathetic when it comes to uh, when it comes to the when it comes to nonprofit organizations because they are in the business of empathy. They are in the business of uh, of helping people because they feel their pain and because they know that the work is important. And so you should, if you're a developer that wants to work with nonprofits, you should feel the nonprofit's pain. And by extension, uh, the people that they help, you you will be able to feel their pain too so that you're ultimately uh, able to help them and give them exactly what they need. That's wonderful. I, well, there's I can't, there's nothing I can do to sum that up better. So I, I will uh, drop my mic. How about yeah, that? absolutely. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a new book I wrote with my good friend, Matt Medeiros of The Matt Report, called The Podcast Starter Kit. It's a QA-style book that tells you exactly what you need to get up and running with your own podcast. I've had lots of fun over the last several months with how I built it, and I want to share what I've learned with anybody looking to start their own podcast. In the book, Matt and I try our hand at answering 23 questions that you need to ask yourself before you get up and running. We also include several resources, our favorite equipment, and a checklist at the end. 
head over to thepodcastbook.com to check it out. It's only $24, and it'll save you hours of time researching the right tools, where to upload your podcast, how to run a good interview, and a lot more. That's thepodcastbook.com. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to our great guest and fantastic sponsors. If you liked the show, please rate it and subscribe on iTunes, in Google Play, or whatever your podcast app of choice is. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out at howibuilt.it. And finally, until next week, get out there and build something.